as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! Welcome back, everyone, to Pirate Talk Radio. This is episode number 80. We're getting close to that 100. We're getting close. Episode 80. And uh, we've got some things to talk about. Um, I will tell you right now um, that I am not going to uh, talk about a playthrough of the new adventure, which just released. Uh, I haven't honestly played through it yet. I'm um, going to probably play through it this weekend. Uh, but I haven't played through it yet. Um, so I, I thought about playing through it before I recorded this episode. However, I uh, I wanted to respect folks uh, who are not having the time to play through it right now or struggling to play through it right now. I didn't want to spoil anything by going through it. So uh, next week, after I've played through it, I will go through my feedback on uh, on how I feel this adventure um, went. Again, as of uh, last week, I said I was really excited for this adventure because uh, I think they got the model right on the last adventure uh, as far as uh, story and the cinematics and everything. Um, and the, the non RNG and, and, and how they, how they really built the last adventure. I think they finally hit it. Um, but what we are going to talk about today are the two trailers that were out for it. Um, what we learned from those and the community reaction, uh, that I have seen on Twitter, uh, again, haven't watched any videos or streams of people playing through it. Uh, but there is a lot of feedback and I will say negative feedback about this adventure out there. Uh, so we will be talking about that, but again, uh, no real details about the story, what happens, et cetera, et cetera, aside from what we already know uh, in the trailers. Uh, the other thing I want to just mention is right now going on, if you're listening to this uh, and it's not Monday yet, uh, if you got to this episode late and it's already through Monday, uh, Twitch drops are currently going on. So uh, make sure you're going over to uh, a partnered Sea of Thieves channel that is unfortunately not my channel, uh, but go over to a partnered Sea of Thieves channel and make sure you're claiming your uh, uh, awards, your Twitch drops every single hour. So each hour uh, you will get a new Twitch drop and you need to claim that. Um, personally, again, I don't think the Twitch drop system is a very good system uh, at all, but it's the system that Twitch provides the developers uh, to be able to use. Uh I think it really needs revamped on Twitch's side, but I do like what Sea of Thieves has done here. Um, and I, I really like, uh, where they're going with this instead of forcing you to watch every single day. If you're out of town or something like that, don't have access. I, I like that they're allowing you, uh, to plan when you will be lurking or watching or interacting with these streamers. Now, with that being said, an hour is longer than 20 minutes. And when you stack up all these Twitch drops, I believe there's seven of them this time. Um, although several of them are repeats, uh, that's just another chance for you to get the twilight hunter ship set. Um, it, it is a long time. So potentially this time, if you've not got you know, all the past ones, you could be spending seven hours on Twitch. And that is a long time. That's basically a work day. Um, so 
I still like this system better because you can plan when you will be doing that, um, when you'll be lurking, when you'll be uh, whatever. You just make sure you're claiming it every hour uh, because you could watch for seven hours and only get one drop because you haven't been claiming them. So, um, again, I like that Sea of Thieves has moved to this. Uh, however, when you've got a big chunk of drops like we see here, uh, it can be a little daunting uh, uh, for the players to get that in. Um, but I think it's much better than forcing players to have to uh, watch, you know, every single day to get their drop because quite frankly, some people travel. <laughs> I know I get the, the whole, well, everyone has a phone or most people have a phone. You can, here's the thing. My phone is for texting and it is for calling. That's about it. I've got Twitter and stuff on there, but I'm not watching Twitch on my phone. It's, it's, it's not happening. All right. It's not what I use my phone for. And yes, you could say I'm old and I'm a boomer and whatever you want terminology you want to use. That's absolutely fine with me. I don't care. Uh, but personally, I'm not, if, if, if I've got a stream up, I'm watching it. Right. Um, it, it, like right now I've got uh, a stream up in my, my living room. Am I actively watching it? No. A lot of times it's background noise to what I'm doing. Um, but, uh, it, it's just, it's just how it is. I just like the ability that I can plan now, uh, to get all my drops in on the first day or the last day or throughout the, the entire weekend and not have to sit here every single day and make sure that I'm, I'm checking it out. So I personally think again, the Twitch drops, uh, were a good, uh, good change, but again, you need to uh, make sure you're claiming them. That's on you. Uh, that's not on rare. So if you miss them, you miss them. It's it's on you. You had the opportunity to plan, but they will be going on throughout the weekend. And I believe they end on the 22nd. Um, usually they go all weekend. Yeah. And 22nd is Monday. So uh, make sure between uh, the 19th and the 22nd, uh, you, you do that. And if you did it, well, you missed out. Sorry about your luck. Sorry about your luck. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of this episode and really look at um, uh, the the new adventure trailers, I want to take a moment and thank the patrons. Uh, you guys are amazing. You folks are supporting financially. You're taking money out of your own pockets and throwing it at me, and I appreciate that very much that you're supporting Pirate Talk Radio and my content. So thank you, Regis, Stella, and Lane for your continued support of my content. I appreciate that very, very much. And if you would like to financially contribute to this production or any of my uh, of my streaming or my YouTube, please go over to patreon.com slash TV and you can select any of the tiers. And uh, many of the tiers have some rewards, so uh, you can get some swag or something like that. So uh, thank you very much for the patrons, and I hope to see more of you on that list that I can read out because that would be cool, and I would appreciate it. All right, so let's dive in. Let's dive in. Um, to what we have to talk about today. Um, and the first thing that we're going to talk about, we're going to save the hunter's cry, um, uh, to the next little segment here. Um, but last episode, I challenged everyone who watched the YouTube video and listened to the podcast, uh, for your opportunity to win a sticker. And that was uh, to tell me who, what, when, where, whatever, Urca de Lima was, which is the name of my galleon. And I got a lot of responses back. I am I'm so glad that I'm sitting here 
um, next to a big stack of stickers because I've got some stickers to send out to people. Thank you very much for those of you who submitted your answer. If you are interested in that sticker and you submitted your answer on time, I know who you are. Um, please do go to wherever you submitted your answer and look for a reply from me with instructions of how I, uh, can get that to you. Uh, so I replied to everyone. Um, however, they reached out to me, either a Twitter, uh, a tweet, a Twitter DM, uh, YouTube comment, wherever you reached out to me, um, email box, uh, make sure you follow the instructions that I sent to you. Um, if you dropped it on a review of a YouTube app uh, or a, not a YouTube app, a, a podcasting app, I'm probably not going to see that. So, uh, it needs to be Twitter, discord, um, you know, Instagram, um, YouTube comment, whatever it is. I've seen the answers, um, as of right now, when I'm recording this, uh, you have until this releases, uh, on Saturday at 4 PM Eastern standard time to get your answers in. Um, so if you haven't got your answers in yet, you're probably already missing out. Uh, but if you did get an answer in, I replied to your answer and I also provided information if you do want me to send you a sticker. So please follow those instructions, uh, get that over to me and I will get you your sticker in the post as soon as I can. Um, so let me tell you what Urca Delima is. Everyone who, who responded, uh, had, had, the correct answer in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I wasn't necessarily specific. I just asked what Urkel de Lima was. So, um, but let me tell you here. Um, so first off, for, for some folks, they know Urkel de Lima from the excellent uh, TV show Black Flag, which was a pirate TV show. I believe it was on Stars. Um, I own it on Amazon. Um, that takes you, it takes references that 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 happened historical references and puts them in hollywood right so the things that happened in there didn't necessarily happen in real life but it definitely references people and places um systems uh it's got a lot of historical accuracy in it um but it's it's a really good tv show um you get to see a lot of the cool uh pirates and honestly some of them are played really well. Some of them are, are written a little differently, um, from who the people were, um, actually, and there's reasons for that. But, uh, in that TV show, um, there is a ship, uh, that several of the pirate crews are after. And that ship is Urca de Lima. Now in the show, it is described as the Hulk or the treasure galleon of the Royal Spanish fleet. Um, it was a massive ship. It was described as a massive ship, um, <clears throat> with lots of weaponry. Um, it was described as a ship that did not need an escort because of the amount of men, um, soldiers and guns that it had. Um, and it was full of the Spanish, uh, gold. So it was basically the floating treasury, uh, for, uh, Royal Spain. That's what it was in the TV show. Um, part of that is kind of true. Um, part of that is, is very Hollywood up to make it more dramatic in the TV show. So Urca de Lima was not a treasure galleon. Um, the actual Urca de Lima was a real ship. It was not a treasure galleon. It was actually a large merchant vessel 
but it was part of the Spanish fleet. It was part of a fleet of 11 ships, um, and the objective of this fleet, uh, many of those ships were merchant ships, uh, ships that pirates would have targeted, uh, especially English pirates, right? English, uh, uh, in, in, in the history of, of piracy in the West Indies, the Bahamas, if you are not familiar with what the West Indies are, are, are talking about. Um, if, if, we're talking about those pirates, pirates that sailed from Nassau and areas like that. We're talking Edward Teach, Blackbeard. We're talking uh, Jack Rackham. We're talking Charles Vane. Uh, we're talking Hornigold. You know, all the popular pirates back then who were English. Um, a lot of them took a vow that they would not target English ships. Now, that did change. Um, that did change, uh, and they did target English ships and, and things like that. But in the very beginning um, of piracy in the West Indies, they did not target English ships. Uh, you know, they were originally Englishmen, uh, most of them English men and women, and felt it inappropriate to target uh, English ships uh, because those were their kin. Now, again, they're freemen. They don't report to the crown, right? They're on their own. They're pirates. They're, they're, uh, they're villains. They're, uh, criminals in the eyes of the law. Uh, but they did not target English ships in the beginning. They targeted Spanish ships because the English and the Spanish were in and out of war throughout the age of piracy. So the Spanish ships were their target. And the Spanish colonies um, in this area were was uh, Cuba, specifically the stronghold of Havana. And the Spanish would take goods, gold, silver, from places like Mexico, uh, Aztecs, Incas, Mayans, you know, all those fo all the indigenous uh, tribes of Mexico that were known for um, interesting, uh, culinary stuff, cloth, and specifically precious metals and gems uh, that they mined in, in, in Mexico. Take those, get them to Havana, pack them up in Havana, and sail them back to Spain. So that was the objective of the, the colony there in Havana. So Urca de Lima, how does Urca de Lima fit in and, and differ from the black sails? It was a merchant vessel. It was a large vessel, a flat-bottomed vessel. Part of a 11 ship fleet, uh, both military ship, but mostly mostly uh, merchant vessels uh, that left Havana and was heading to uh, Spain with the cargo was vanilla, which was, uh, you know, kind of an exotic spice back then. Definitely something that uh, uh, upper class would very want in, in Spain. Uh, chocolate, again, something that was uh very highly sought after uh, in, in Europe um, that they wanted from the, the Americas and incense, another highly sought after thing uh, in Europe that they could get uh, from the uh, Americas. Um, and this fleet, unfortunately, ran into some issues, it wasn't pirates. It was actually a storm. It was a hurricane, which Black Sails hit on the head. The ship in Black Sails was sunk by a storm, or was it was not sunk necessarily. It was actually, um, you know, kind of slammed up against the shores. Uh, but 
at the end of the day, that still sinks it, right? It doesn't It doesn't sail anymore. Uh, it was uh, done in by a hurricane and sank in 1715. Um, now, for a long time, Urca de Lima was kind of just a, a boat of, of legend, a boat of story. Um, but in 1928, the remains of Urca de Lima were found uh, just off the coast of Florida. It's not too far out. It's only in water um, currently. Of course, you know, the world changes over time, but it's currently uh, the remains were found in water that was only about 15, 10 to 15 feet deep. So not too deep of water, which again, very accurate to black sails in that it was probably slammed up against the the bottom of the water, the bottom of the ocean, um, just off land, right? It was slammed up there. It took on holes, took on water, and eventually sank. Um, now, the interesting thing here is the uh, Spanish forces um, actually burned the top of the ship. Um, because they did not want English pirates, uh, well, they viewed it as English pirates, the pirates viewed themselves as freemen, they did not want the pirates to find the um, the cargo, right? Because the pirates would then take the cargo, steal the cargo, which was uh, uh, heading back to, to Spain, they would steal it, uh, and the Spanish would lose it. So they burnt the top of the ship, so none of the ship was above water, so... You couldn't see it and easily identify it. And they took the rest of the goods and buried them on the beach. Now, when it was rediscovered in 1928, the uh, the state of Florida actually began issuing permits for people to salvage um, the remains of Urca de Lima. Now, that is both cool and unfortunate at the same time, because when you're allowing people to salvage you're going to lose things and you're going to lose parts of history. Um, and for the next 50 years, uh, people bought permits, got permits from Florida and salvaged the ever living shit out of Urca de Lima. So nowadays there's very little left. Uh, you can see where you can see um, the framework of the ship, but pretty much everything is gone. There's a couple cannon left and there is an anchor left and you can see the framework of the ship uh, that is still um, basically embedded in the sediment of 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 the ocean. And in the 1980s, uh, the state of Florida stopped issuing permits and turned the Urca de Lima uh, remains into a public archaeology site. Uh, so you can actually take tours out to the site and scuba dive down and explore the remains of Urca de Lima. There's nothing to swim into. Um, you know, you're just going to basically be swimming on top of of the framework of the ship that's left and kind of uh, partially buried into the sediment. Um, so unfortunately, again, there's not a whole lot left. Now, the state of Florida has taken a lot of precautions around Urca de Lima's uh, remains. They have uh, it's a non anchored zone. You can't like cause wake or anything there. And it's a non anchor zone. Um, there's actually a buoy uh, nearby that you would basically tie off your boat or you would anchor in that area because, again, they do not want any further damage to happen to the ship after 50 years of them allowing uh, salvaging. Um, but 
As far as what was on the ship, we talked vanilla, chocolate, uh, incense. I didn't mention gold. In in Black Sails, it was a treasure galleon. It was full of gold. That was the big thing um, that caused a lot of the story arc uh, in uh, the Black Sails uh, TV show. It was a great TV show. I'm glad they pinpointed um, Urca de Lima and talked about it, but not in an accurate sense of what that ship was actually carrying. It was still, back in the day, carrying things that were very valuable and things that the pirates would definitely want and could make a lot of money off of selling it um, to, to folks and using it themselves. But it was not the treasure galleon that they said. With that being said, there are reports that there were many chests of silver. Um, they were not owned by the, uh, the royals of Spain. They were privately owned chests of silver uh, that were being transported as well. So there was some shiny, shiny on Urca de Lima. Uh, but why Urca de Lima is a very important historical find that we found in, you know, 1928 is because it is the only ship that survived or that we have found of the 11 uh, original ships in the fleet that left Havana in route to Spain. It is the only one. So it gives us a little bit of uh, information. It gives us a lot of knowledge about the ships in that fleet. Um, they were, again, merchant vessels, maybe a, a couple protecting vessels from the military, but in general, merchant vessels. Gives us an insight of what that fleet was made of and what the ships were like. Uh, so it was a very big uh, a find because... An 11-ship fleet is not a, a small fleet by any means, especially transporting goods. So it really gave archaeologists and, and historians a good uh, view of, of, of the ship, the ship type, um, and what was going on with that fleet. But again, it's the only ship of the 11 uh, that we have been able to find uh, since that ship uh, encountered the storm and sunk in 1715. So there you go. There is your history lesson about Urca de Lima. Um, I know for those of you who've listened for a long time and some of the feedback that I get, um, I know many of you are interested in uh, my love for history and my, my, my little injections of, of history into, into the podcast. So I hope you enjoyed that. And then, again, congratulations to those who followed the call and, uh, and put your answer in for uh, Urca de Lima and who now has the opportunity to claim their sticker again. Please go back and look at where you placed your answer and my reply to get the instructions in order to get your sticker if you would like one. And if you are watching the YouTube video, they're very cool stickers. Uh, they're actually water resistant. They're almost like a uh, they're almost like a, uh, um, a cling that you would put on your window or something. But it's got the Pirate Talk Radio logo, and they are water resistant. So if you put it on like uh, a cup or something, like you could put it on a, a, a nice little cup here. And uh, you could put it in the dishwasher and they should be fine. So I've been told. I've not actually tested it. So if they don't, it's not my fault. I've, this is just what I've been told from the manufacturer. So don't yell at me. All right. Sea of Thieves. We just talked about pirate history. Let's talk Sea of Thieves. Hunter's Cry. So our story to this point, we've dealt with Flameheart. Not really. He's still out there somewhere. That storyline has kind of uh, stagnated for the time, and we're dealing with the Dark Brethren now, who we have found out have been 
um, in the Sea of the Damned, uh, trying to basically get away from Flameheart and trying to figure out what their next move is. Uh, keeping in mind what we learned in A Pirate's Life is they are supposed to be preparing the Sea of Thieves for the captain, whoever that is. We don't know. Well, because Flameheart's forces are getting so powerful, they have the uh, the Spanish forts now with the Phantoms. Flameheart's doing pretty good as far as as far as getting a hold on the Sea of Thieves militarily. He's got his ghost ships out there. He's got his Spanish forts out there. He has the ability to now have Flameheart Jr. basically teleport around to all these different forts. Um, and according to the um, the adventure, he's not a floating head anymore. We know that, but the, the Spanish forces say he's out there like he's something now. We don't know what. We don't know where, but he's something. We know he is something. And I think the reason that this story for Flameheart has stagnated a little bit is because Heart of Fire, the newest book uh, from Chris Alcott, has started to hit Europe, and it will hit the United States next week. And I think there's a lot of information and a lot of story uh, that Sea of Thieves wants us to read and learn uh, before they wrap up the Flameheart story by the end of the year, which is what they said they're going to do. So I think they wanted to wait until this book hits. They wanted to kind of look at another story arc and get ready to set up maybe what's coming next, which is the captain. Who knows? <clears throat> but they could take this, this opportunity to reintroduce the Dark Brethren from a pirate's life and start doing a little bit more with that. Um, after we kind of defeated Flameheart, uh, it, it kind of beat him in the battle when we were fighting the uh, Shrouded Ghost and keeping the uh, the Veil away from him. So now we learned a little bit more about Veil Stones and how the Dark Brethren is teleporting in and out of the, the Sea of the Damned, utilizing the Gold Hoarder's uh, skull, who has uh, Veil Stones in his eyes. And now... We are introduced to the trailer for The Hunter's Cry. And the first thing off the bat that I see in, in one of the trailers is the Pirate Lord's walking stick. His cane has changed. Uh, before, his walking stick was a really cool look with a skull on the top. A very interesting looking skull. Now, it is the same stick, but it has the veil on top of it. It has the mask. Uh, uh, that you get from the shrouded, um, the, the shrouded ghost adventure and that we utilize like the shroud breaker, uh, in the veil voyages for Athena's fortune. It is now attached to his stick as part of his walking stick. It has replaced the skull or it's a mask on the skull. Not quite sure, uh, from the brief time we see it, but what we can see is the Pirate Lord is utilizing the assembled veil that we have gotten the veil stones from the um, from the Athena voyages. Uh, we have brought those back. We have reassembled the, the veil. Um, and he is now utilizing his stick to open the portals to the damned for us. And that then allows us to go in and attempt to rescue our good buddy Merrick, who we haven't been able to, you know, sell fish to for quite some time now because y'all saved Golden Sands, which means Merrick got a target on his back. 
Good job. So it appears the Pirate Lord is going to be opening a portal for us, and we are going into the Sea of the Damned in order to confront the Dark Brethren in attempts to save Merrick. Now, I'm going to kind of combine the two trailers. One was the cinematic trailer. One was a little bit more of a narrated explanation of what this is. But both of them are out on the Sea of Thieves YouTube. What is really interesting is it appears that uh, the Sea of Thieves development team um, has taken the model that is in the center of the map, the Arena Tavern, and has brought it along with the columns around it into the Sea of the Damned. Now, is it the same arena tavern? I doubt it. I'm sure it has its own name. I'm not quite sure. But in the Sea of the Damned, in the trailers, it is very clear that the battle that we're going to be fighting is going to be on a structure that looks very similar, if not the same, as the arena tavern in the center of the Sea of Thieves. Um, it shows the Dark Brethren, um, Amaranta, Wanda, and Duke standing at the top where all the horns are. In the background, you can see the horns and the canopy. And Merrick is on his knees on the platform just below them. It appears that we're going to be fighting through uh, waves of phantoms in order to climb up the arena tavern and get to uh, the Dark Brethren in order to uh, help Merrick. Now, um, what we also have learned in this is that basically it appears that the, the Dark Brethren, Duke and Wanda, um, the original Dark Brethren, is using Amaranta as kind of their muscle. Um, she is trying to get whatever this information is that we still don't know. Uh, if you've played the adventure, maybe you know. I, I don't know. Um, whatever information they're trying to get out of Merrick that Bell claims that he probably doesn't even know he possesses, she's trying to get the information out. And there's a really interesting back and forth between Merrick and Amaranta, where Amaranta basically pulls out the uh, the notorious cutlass from the arena and basically says, I've killed you once and I have no problem slicing and dicing your soul into a whole bunch of pieces, basically torturing him and splitting his soul because he's dead and she would be torturing a ghost. Um, he had caught chopping up a ghost. However, that works, but again, magic, um, we're, we're, you know, torturing Merrick in order to get this information. Now Merrick says he's not going to give her anything and that he's never been afraid before based on all the villains that he's, he's faced. But it's very clear that when she starts to talk about, you know, splitting his soul or cutting up his soul or, or doing damage that could probably be permanent damage to his soul. It does show that Merrick might have a little bit of fear and reservation about what's going on here. And she's swinging her sword around at him. Um, now, What's really interesting here is then it cuts to Duke and Wanda and Duke. And we didn't, we don't really get a lot of lines from Duke, but Duke actually, when he's not drunk, uh, actually has a very sophisticated tone about the way he talks, which is very interesting. Um, that, that he's a bilge rat, which in general would be a basic sailor, a lot of drinking, not a whole lot of intelligence, but Duke seems to have always 
placed himself in a decent position of power, uh, whether the leader of the Bilgerats or part of the Dark Brethren. And now that he doesn't appear to be drunk in the Sea of the Damned, he is a very sophisticated speaker, which is very interesting. And I hope we learn more about maybe the background of Duke or or where Duke came from, or more information about Duke, because the name Duke is actually very interesting. Um, and I don't want to, to, to get into that necessarily because we don't know anything about that. Uh, but, but I know, uh, we'll probably learn more about Duke in the future. Uh, but I could say that, uh, Captain Logan, uh, shared a very interesting theory, uh, to me, which I'm not going to dive into because that is, that is his show. That is, that is his Captain Falcor moment that he's got going on over there. So make sure you go listen to the Keelhaul podcast and check out his YouTube if you want to to know more about that for when he starts talking about that. But <clears throat> now that I've actually heard Duke speak without drinks and all that stuff, I think there might be a little bit of um, truth to uh, to to what uh, Mister Logan has to uh, to say on this. Uh, but definitely Duke, his name and uh, the way he speaks is very sophisticated, and I'm anxious to see what they do with that. But Duke brings up to uh, Wanda, you know that they're going to be coming for him, right? Um, and she seems very excited and very ready for us, the pirates, to come save Merrick. Um, and, and obviously that's what the adventure is about, to come save him. So we're going to be using the pirate lord to, you know, slide through that giant rock and into the Sea of the Damned in order to save Merrick. Now, in the um, in the the less cinematic trailer, <clears throat> I've no I noticed a few things. The first thing that I noticed is it appears that there's going to be some sort of naval battle that we're going to have to undertake uh, that is around the um, the arena uh, tavern in the Sea of the Damned. So it looks like there's going to be some sort of a, a, a naval battle. It looked to me very reminiscent of kind of like the ending battle in a Pirate's Life 5, uh, where you're kind of around the spire uh, fighting all the all the ships. It does appear to be, there's ghost ships there, and you have to knock them out and, and beat them. Um, and then it appears that we have to scale the arena tavern <clears throat> and take on waves of phantoms before we get to the top. So overall, if I'm just looking at the cinematic trailer and the normal trailer, this looks epic. This looks like a lot of fun. It gives me um, Pirate's Life vibes, which I really enjoyed <clears throat> that final fight. I really enjoyed what they did both on a lore side. I really enjoyed what they did on the story side. I really enjoyed the multi-level uh, fight um, and, and very cinematic way of uh, how they did that. So I'm super excited when I saw the trailers and I am really pumped to dive into this adventure. And I think anyone who just watched the trailers uh, would be very pumped to dive into this, um, especially anyone who's really enjoyed the last adventure with the lack of RNG and the good design, the good story, the good voiceovers, and the good cinematography. I think anyone would be excited to hop into this adventure. And I think a lot of people were excited to hop into this adventure. <clears throat> Unfortunately, there is a very, very loud disapproval rating of this adventure swirling on Reddit, on Twitter, 
on the forums, people are not happy about this adventure. And the worst part about their unhappiness is it's things that I have been unhappy with for a long time with Rare, where they're putting so much focus on story and lore, and they're leaving out the most important part, playability. That's what they're leaving out. Bugs, exploits, poor player experience. Those things they kick to the side to bring you the story, and that is really bad design. I have been talking about that for a while, especially with these adventures. From the RNG, from the bugs in uh, the, the Shrouded Deep, from the RNG as far as trying to get crews together in the Shrouded Deep, from trying to find the different people of Golden Sands, etc., 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 etc. Their adventures, aside from the last one, have been full of bugs and issues and RNG and problems that they have just, well, it's probably an issue, but we're not going to delay it. The story's fine. Put the story out there. The players can just deal with all the bad shit. And that's not good. And I've been saying it and calling it out for a while. And some people, you know, just point at me and they say, it's not a problem. Just play it how it is. It's fine. It's fine. It's only limited time. We'll just get through it. It's okay. That should not be our approach. That should not be our approach when we're dealing with game development. The game development should be clean. It should be crisp. It should be well-tested. And it should be very, very enjoyable and playable. And the player experience should not be shit just because the story is good. So some of the things that the community is reacting about, and actually, when I was just out there uh, on on my lunch break watching uh, uh, Beardly, He specifically told his chat because people were saying we're struggling to get through this adventure, which I never expected someone to actually say because I thought the days of RNG were were out until I started to look at some of the Twitter. And it's not RNG based. It's just poor design is what it is. Um, But Beardley said, you know what? Give it a couple days. Wait till week two. You know, these people will get tired of what they're doing and you'll be able to get in there and do it. That is that is not good. That is not good coming from one of your your biggest um, um, advocates and someone who really speaks highly of Rare. I met Beardley at Sea of Thieves Fest. We got to talk. He is a very positive influence um, for Rare and him himself saying, look, it's really bad right now. Just, just wait until it's better. Just give it some time. These folks will will get bored of what they're doing. Hopefully, Rare will put out a, a hot fix or something for some of the bugs. Whatever. That, that's really bad when one of your 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 biggest positive influences is is telling folks don't play it right now. Don't play it. That's not good. That is not good. Rare. That is not good. So, what are some of the issues that the community is complaining about? And, and don't get me wrong, these are some major issues, especially with a community that is very divided. You have the, P, the, the loud PvP voices on one side, you have the loud PvE voices on the other, and you have the majority of the people in the middle who just want to play the game, but they also want to have a good player experience in playing the game. So first off, the comment, the arena is back. Um, because what is happening is 
Apparently, when you enter this adventure, again, this is what I'm picking up on from Twitter um, and Reddit and the forums. I've not played this at all. Apparently, it is like the arena. You enter this adventure with up to three other ships. And there's no rules. There are no regulations aside from the normal rules and regulations of Sea of Thieves. And you can fight each other. Not do the adventure, but fight each other. And from what, again, I've been told and from what I understand from reading, there is instantaneous respawn. There's no going to the ferry. You're already on in the damned. You don't like go back to the world of the living because you died. You're already in the sea of the damned. So it's instantaneous respawn, which means this is a PVP haven. Players who just want to fight are going to sit in these adventures for a long time and just kill people, spawn camp people, jump around their boat and make their lives miserable. Why? Because that's what TDMers do. And it's allowed in the game. Now, there are certain rules to spawn camping, but as long as you obey those rules, you can ruin someone else's player experience. You can ruin someone else's adventure because it is allowed. And apparently the TDMers are out in force right now. I've seen a couple clips of, of, you know, just ships coming into the adventure, literally T-boning another ship, jumping on board and just TDMing and killing a crew who doesn't want, who's not there to fight. They want to, they want to play the adventure. Now in Sea of Thieves, you always have to be prepared for a fight, but if your objective is just to get on someone else's boat and kill them and not sink them, that's a problem. That's a problem. I've also seen reports that the overall adventure has lackluster content. Now, from the trailer, it looks like it's going to be really sweet, and it's going to be really awesome, and it's going to be very interactive, and there's going to be a lot of stuff to do, and cannons firing, and ships everywhere, and a lot of cool stuff. So I was really disappointed to see multiple comments from different player styles that says that this has lackluster content. That is very disappointing to hear. I haven't played it. So I'm going to leave my verdict out, but that again is just the community feedback, lackluster content. The other piece of community feedback is a bug that Rare has suffered from in the past many times, and that is sometimes the portals don't work. Sometimes you sail through the portal and it doesn't take you into whatever you're going into. And furthermore, the reset bug is back. So sometimes you're going to go through these portals or the portals are going to bug and you're not going to go through it. And your pirate has been reset. No cosmetics, no equipment, no emotes. And that is very frustrating because this has been an issue that they have dealt with in the past that really pisses players off because players spend a long time designing their pirate, putting the equipment on that they want, setting up their remote wheels the way they want. 
and then you reintroduce a bug that you have fixed in the past, you have now reintroduced it for some godforsaken reason because someone can't read code and understand that the bug is gone and now I've reintroduced it and can't test shit to make sure that's not happening. Because from some of the comments on some of these tweets, I can tell that some of these players are insiders and said, oh, they didn't fix that before release, which means it was in the test build and reported on insiders and rare just said, man, the story's good. The player experience sucks. Don't worry. They'll be okay with it because the story's good. Push. That is really bad. You can't just push something that is undercooked and not ready. We talked about it at length in the last episode. You can't do it. And the fact that that players, this is now, mind you, this is the first weekend of the adventure. This is the first weekend. All this big hype, trailers, all this money spent on cinematics, all this big hype to go save Merrick, a cherished uh, a character amongst the community, the big finale where we confront the brethren and we save Merrick. This is Adventure 6. This is supposed to be one of the big finales, right? They told us in every, it's, they're like episodic um, adventures, like, like you would go watch like Star Wars, right? They're in groups of three. So Adventure 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, now we're on 6. This is the epic finale of this particular arc with the Dark Brethren. And seeing this type of community feedback on opening weekend of their finale adventure of this arc is not good. It is not good. I'll tell you what, the the trailers had me excited to play this. Reading the community feedback, I'm terrified to dive in because I know me and I know how pissed off I will be if the code is not clean, if the experience is not good. I have said this many times on this show. Rare does not have a good pulse on the community. They do not have a good pulse on the community. They have their blinders on. They have a, I know where we want this to go. We are going there. We release this. We feel as a good story. The community is blowing them up and it has nothing to do with the story. Yes. A few comments say lackluster content. You're always going to have that. But with all the people talking about how bad the bugs are, how bad the TDM and spawn camping and player experience is, the fact that Rare, we are now, when I'm recording this, we are now over 24 hours into this adventure, and Rare has not made a statement and or patched a hotfix, and all of this Community feedback says this sucks as player experience. Come on. That means you don't have a pulse on what's going on. The fact that you even released an adventure that has the potential for player interaction means you know that things could go shitty. You have now reduced the map in 
I assume, to a very small, enclosed place where players just can't run away without closing down the adventure or logging out. You have recreated the arena that you shut down because players didn't enjoy it. You have recreated the arena. It is what it sounds. And you're causing horrible player interactions because it is a limited time event. It's not a choice. Players got to choose if they went and played the arena. Most players, based on the statistics Rare has provided us, chose to play an adventure. You are now forcing players to play arena. Now, some people may say, well, that's not how this was designed. No, it is 100% how this is designed because they designed it to allow this to happen. If it is happening, that means it's allowed to happen on a code level. If you have designed something that puts players in a small condensed place and it does not turn off PVP because your game is PVEVP, you have literally created the perfect storm for PVP players to force PVP on other people. And the player experience, I'm sorry, if your response to this is, I've seen this a lot on Twitter. If your response is just exit the adventure or server hop and try to find a more peaceful server, that is bullshit. That is bullshit. I tweeted out today. I said a game developer whose response is to put the players in charge of being respectful and keeping the peace is designing their game poorly. Whenever you design a feature in a video game, first off, it needs to be tested for bugs. But secondly, you need to think, what is the worst case scenario that could happen with this feature? with this thing that I've made. What is the worst case scenario? What is the worst player experience that could happen with this thing that I've created? And then you need to automatically understand that is going to happen. It's not just going to happen once. It's probably going to have me happening multiple times. Ship names. What is the worst thing that someone could put as a ship name? Oh, That's allowed. We should probably stop that now. You need to think about the worst case scenarios when you're designing something and understand that it will happen. Players will not be peaceful. Players will not keep the peace. Players will not be respectful. Why? It is human nature and it is the internet. They are going to be little shitheads They're going to be trolls. They are going to be toxic. It is 2022 and it is the internet. People are going to act like idiots. And if you're designing an adventure that allows multiple crews to be in a condensed space and saying, oh, nothing, our community's too good. 
They will treat each other with respect. They will work together because that's what the story tells them to do. If you honestly had that sit down and no one in the room said, we have recreated the arena and there's going to be major backlash from the players because people are going to spawn camp. People are going to kill. People are not just going to help each other through this. It is going to be a bad player experience. If no one raised their hand to say that, Rare is out of touch with the community. And furthermore, if someone did raise their hand and said that, and whoever the decision maker is that pushed this on through did not automatically say, pump the brakes, let's figure out how to stop this, they are really out of touch with the community. All that you have to do is go on the forums or Reddit or Twitter, and you can easily see on a daily basis in the large map of, of Sea of Thieves how many people talk about toxic PvP players, talk about wussy PvE players, and they and you've now created something where they have to collide in a small space. I'm really now not looking forward to playing this adventure. I'm going to because it's what I do. I'm going to get my cosmetics and title or whatever they're giving away this time. It's usually one cosmetic and a title on a non-choice adventure. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to see how this plays out. And I'm going to continue to read the forums and Reddit and Twitter. And I'm going to see the stories because I can tell you this. There are people saying... Here's a recording of a toxic player. And I watch the recording and I'm like, I don't see anything toxic in there. They're just playing the game. Now, you may not like it because they're killing you, but they're just playing the game. And some of the players who are like, this person's being toxic because he's killing me in adventure. And then I watch the clip and I hear them saying toxic stuff like, oh, your aim sucks. And the person who they're mad at and calling toxic isn't saying anything. You just look like a big ass moron because you're the one being toxic. You're the one that's, that's letting this get under your skin. You're the one that's allowing part of the game PVP to affect you because you're not happy with it. You're not happy that this player is playing the way they want to play and it is affecting the way you want to play. The end of the day, this is a PvEVP game. And it is up to Rare to design and code rules and regulations, hard code rules and regulations to ensure that keeping the peace is not in the hands of the player. If you put rules and regulations in the hands of the player, you will be disappointed and upset with the outcome every single time. Every time. So I'm interested. I'm interested to see how this plays out. I'm interested to see how the story plays. I'm I'm just, I'm really interested in this adventure. I'm not excited now to play this adventure after all the horror tweets and stuff that I've read. But I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see... Um, you know, what the dark brethren say and do and what Merrick has to say and do. 
And I'm excited to see where the story goes. I hope the 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 feedback that I've seen that has lackluster content is just again someone who's just irritated with the game and doesn't feel that the, I can get over that because personally I keep my own judgment to everything that I do in this game. But I, my excitement level from the hype trailer and the videos was very high. From the last adventure was very high to see what they do in this epic finale. Now I'm not that excited to play this. I'm not that excited. Because I'm a person that'll fight back. I'm not I'm not someone who'll sit here and just be spawn camped and, and deal with it. I, I'll fight back because I enjoy PvP. But I'm super concerned and I'm really not looking forward to, to having to deal with spawn camping and TDM. I'm just not. And if it is truly this bad from what I've seen on Twitter and the feedback, it really makes me question the design choices and how much Rare is or is not in touch with its player base. Because if what I'm seeing is the truth and it's not just the loud minority, and I don't think it is based on the amount of different people talking about it on different platforms, it really makes me concerned about Rare's touch on the community's pulse and what and how the community wants to experience these story-driven, limited-time adventures. So next week, we will dive into the adventure, what we learned from the adventure, my experience with the adventure, and how other players are faring with the adventure. And we'll see if Rare makes a patch to hopefully help improve the player experience. I don't think they will. They're not exactly um, the poster child of hotfixes. Um, they've had many opportunities to hotfix things, um, but seem to only hotfix super critical issues. Um, if if it's, But this seems to me like a very critical issue because their big finale is right now unfortunately in the darkness of poor player experience. And that's what it is guys. I hope you get through the adventure. I hope I get through the adventure because I'll be pissed off if I don't get all my shit because of a dumbass TDMer who would rather jump and spawn camp you than, you know, fight as a pirate on a pirate ship. Have you ever noticed that about TDMers? They don't care. They're shitty at cannons. And they don't care about their boat. They just want to ram you, get on your board, and make get on your boat, make your life miserable. Like, seriously, use your boat. Use your boat. I want to see some naval in there. Is it good that you're a good player when you're shooting and stuff like that? Yeah, that's great. I want to see some naval, though. We have ships for a reason. Let's go. But I hope you guys enjoy the adventure. I hope you're not getting spawn camped and all that stuff. I, I really hope it's a minority. I just don't think it is, but we'll find out next week when I get through it and I talk about my feelings on it again. Thank you very much. Everyone who took part in that. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel, pirate talk radio on YouTube. We're very, very close to that hundred and we can get that, uh, that name change, uh, and actually have the proper URL. 
Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. Make sure you also go check out my live stream, twitch.tv slash Davram. On that live stream, we play New World. We play Valhalla. We play Sea of Thieves, obviously. We may play some Destiny in the future, but I kind of play a little bit of variety stuff that I enjoy, the massive multiplayer style games. Uh, and all the money I make on there goes to charity. So if you want to uh, drop some uh, Bezo bucks on me uh, from your Prime sub, uh, go ahead, please. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you for watching. If you're on the YouTube, hit a like, hit a subscribe, ring the little bell, ding a ding a ding a ding a ding a whatever it's called, the ship's bell, as they say on the Sea of Thieves thing. But guys, take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll see you next week on Pirate Talk Radio. It's if I survive TDM hell. We'll see. <sighs> Come on, rare. <laughs>